You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast. Hey, everybody. This is episode 67 of the Team Stripes Podcast. Joined, as usual, by Mr. Brendan Est. I'm Ross Cromaldi. What's going on, dude? Um, you know, if we're being honest, still trying to recover from the very long Labor Day weekend we just had. Um, just trying to catch up on sleep and 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 all that before this coming up weekend of even more skating with our high schooling leveling tournament. So just trying to catch up here. Oh man. So you got another busy weekend this weekend. Luckily I have no hockey this weekend, which I'm pretty excited about. I ended up doing uh, 15 youth games and a full uh, USPHL scrimmage with our uh, team here in Tampa. So busy weekend. Yeah, thankfully for my Labor Day, I think I ended up skating. I got a 14 games from Friday to Monday, um, but this coming up weekend, I, I think I got 11 in two days. So that'll be fun. Oh, but oh, geez, four man at least. I hope uh, the high school ones are. Yeah, we got a bunch of four man, and it's it's a weird format. They're doing a 11 minute periods, no overtime, nothing. So you play your 11 minute periods, and you go get to go home. So. Oh, that's so bad. Yeah, like at least we'll stay on time and whatnot, but it's still – that's just a lot of hockey. Yeah, we – it was interesting for us. We had a half-hour break between each game. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we ended up using the four-sheet rink in Wesley Chapel and the two-sheet rink down in Brandon. So we had six sheets of ice for this tournament. We had like 75 teams. And it was only teams from Florida. Yeah, we – It was pretty wild. We were all over the DFW area. I think there's – I want to say there's 12 sheets of ice that we used, if not. Okay, so all the all the Dr. Pepper centers. Yeah, I think I think there's six of them. There might be more. I really – I lost count. Um, but, yeah, we also had the 30 minutes in between games, which was really weird for a Labor Day weekend, not uh, starting 15 minutes early every game. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it was, it was kind of nice because you got to – you know, Get a nice go, little break. Yeah, take your skates off, change your socks, have a snack. So mm-hmm. that was nice. Yep. But I think on bigger and brighter notes, the NHL is in the Western Conference Finals. Well, the con- just the Conference Finals in general. Oh, yeah. I mean, the East is there too. Um, they are both held in Edmonton now. So all four teams are in the Edmonton bubble. Toronto yep. is is done. I mean, the city of Toronto. Um, I don't think there's really any major surprises with the four teams that are in the conference finals. Now, coming off of last week when four out of the four series in the second round was three to one, we all said for the most part they were going to be wrapped up in either game five or game six. Mm-hmm. Only series that was wrapped up in game five was Tampa and Boston, who won in, I believe, double overtime that game. Uh, yeah, I believe so. And yeah, then, it was a over time. Yeah, and then all the other series, so Stars, Avs, Vegas, Vancouver, and Islanders, Philly, all teams were able to force a game seven, um, which to me is awesome. I mean, you can't get more exciting than a game seven. Nope. No, I mean, I, I think, yeah, so every team that had a 3-1 lead ended up winning. Um, mm-hmm. Some teams just took longer. And now we are, I believe, uh, Vegas and Stars have played two games. Their series is tied 1-1 in yep. the West Conference. And then and tonight, Wednesday, uh, 
Tampa plays the Islanders. Yep. Uh, we'll see uh, what Islander team shows up because they were not there on Monday night. Yeah, was, you could you could tell it was Tampa obvious. Had a four day off. Yeah, it was definitely obvious that the Islanders um, had had just played a game seven and then traveled and then had to get on the ice for a game one with no energy at all, no no nothing. The Lightning were just dominant, I, I guess, is the, the simplest uh, way to put it. Yeah, wasn't it, what, eight, eight to two, eight two or something? Yeah. yeah, it was eight to two. The uh, Stars in Vegas, though, I mean, those both of those games were – one nothing to the Stars in the first game, and then I believe it was two nothing Vegas in the second. Three nothing. Three nothing. Two shutouts, competitive games. Yeah, that's that's, that's going to be a fun series, regardless. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that we do have to talk about from the second round was the Phillies Islanders series. I don't know what game it was, but um, it was Carter Hart went behind his net in overtime to try and knock down a puck. He ended up catching it in his glove, tried to get back into his crease. The referee blew the whistle. By the rule book, it is a delay of game penalty, but you could tell the refs uh, did not obviously did not give him a penalty. They gave him not even a stern talking to. They just kind of a warning, kind of a warning. and, you know, play went on. I just wanted to get your thoughts about that one. Um, it's one of those things like it was overtime, right? Yes. You're going to, you're not going to call a penalty there. You're just going to be like, yo, dude, don't do that again. You know, like you you don't want to call that penalty in overtime. And I think the odds of that ever happening again are slim to none. Cause I mean, you see it all the times like goalie comes out and I, I guess he didn't expect it to be as high as it was. And the glove was out there. Yeah, it's just kind of a one-off situation. It's just like, hey, dude, just so you know, that is a penalty. I'm not going to call it this time, but if you do it again, we're going to have to. And then you're also kind of hoping that the other bench doesn't call you out that it is a penalty. Because, like, if they don't know, no big deal, you know. Nobody has to know, yeah. Exactly. I, I think Islanders fans were pretty uh, pretty chapped about it on, on Twitter. Yeah. But, yeah, it's one of those things where I, I don't think I would ever call that, especially in overtime. I believe it was game six. Um, so. Yeah, like, like I said, that's just a situation where you're going to say a goalkeeper, like, hey, dude, don't do that again. Help like, me, help You know, you. we, we, we kind of let the goaltenders get away with a little extra, you know. I agree. Uh, we also had a suspension in round two. Mr. Ryan Reeves of the Vegas Golden Knights. You see my surprised face? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a one-game suspension. I don't think it was – it's a cookie-cutter it suspension. Been, sorry, it, it should have been more, but it's the playoffs. If that's regular season, that's three to five games. He straight-up targeted the guy's head. Um, there's no excuse for that today. Like, there just isn't. They called a match penalty on the ice right away. No, no questions asked. See you later. Um, it's playoffs, so that's why it was only one game. I, I feel like it should have been more. Um, these guys aren't going to stop doing this crap until there's, you know, hey, you you target a guy's head. We're going, you know, minimum. Let's go three five, 
seven games for for targeting. It's just it's ridiculous. He had no business making that hit. I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with the suspension. I think it should go three games easy. I think you would see three games easy in the regular season. Obviously, the playoffs suspensions are handled a little bit differently. I'm not sitting yeah. in a war room up in Toronto with Shanahan and Department of Safety. Um, oh, he doesn't even do it anymore. It's George Peros. Oh, yes, it's Peros now. Um, I mean, yeah, that hit shouldn't happen in the first place. The penalty on the ice was a correct call, a match penalty. NHL handled the suspension. I think that's – as a referee, I'm looking at the suspension. I'm saying, should it be three games? Yes. But I'm a referee. I can only call the penalty on the ice. I don't yeah. get to say what the suspension is. He exactly. served it in game one. I mean, he was back uh, last night in game two for Vegas, and he wasn't missing a beat at all. No. It just – I don't as know. As usual. I, but, hey, who am I to say it should be more? Yeah. You I mean, we're, we're not the ones sitting in the, in the room in the department. No, no, we're not. I just, I just feel like you do something like that. You need to sit for a while. I agree. Now, and speaking of – oh, I was going to say, speaking of referees and linesmen, we need to we'll real quick name the guys that are working the conference finals. Let's do it. All right, so we got our referees, Francis Chiron, Gord Dwyer, Jean Hébert, Steve Kozari, Wes McCauley, Dan O'Rourke, Chris Rooney, and Kelly Sutherland. Uh, our linesmen are Derek Amell, Steve Barton, Scott Cherry, Greg Dvorsky, Brad Kovacic, Matt McPherson, Keel Murchison, and Johnny Murray. Um, no real surprises other than I think on the on the referee side, um, seeing Sharon make it over maybe career, uh, Chris Lee or Brad Meyer. And then on the linesman side, my, the biggest shock to me was Pierre Asco being out. Um, but Pierre's done so many Stanley Cup finals. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he was just like, hey, I want to go home. So, you know, uh, but at the same time, obviously, it's all performance-based and whatever, and you want to work as many rounds as you want, so, or you can. So, who knows, but, yeah, definitely surprised that Pierre uh, isn't in the third round. That that was the biggest surprise for me. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen any issues with any of the officiating no, the there, there hasn't I mean, been. There, there never is. I mean, uh, sometimes there's some issues, like controversy and stuff, but let's be honest, like these guys are the best at what they do. So. Yeah. If, now, if, if you do want to think a guy's doing bad, just go on any of the team's social media and just look into the comments. <laughs> I mean, I was scrolling through last night and uh, living in Dallas, like I, I follow the stars on Facebook or whatever. And every once in a while, I'll click on the, the comments to see what the fans are saying. And, and the Stars ran into some penalty trouble in game two. And if you ask all the Stars fans, they were guilty of nothing. And the penalties were as, – as a few of the comments saw, the NHL was rigged against the Stars because they want Vegas to win, uh, which just makes me laugh every time. Mm-hmm. Because I think as officials, it's safe to say we don't care who wins ever. Yeah. I mean, I've I've never once gone into a game and cared. But it, I mean, it's just it is what it is. It's funny. It'll it's funny to me to, to to read at least. But I think we have to get into our wacky rule question of the week. 
Ooh, and, I, and you haven't even told me what it is yet, so I'm I know. excited. I found a I think, really you know what? good one. You know what? You need to just keep me in the dark. I, I don't want to know. Okay. So you just, so, you just, you just announce it. I, uh, we had this come up in a conversation earlier this week with, with a group of our officials down here in Dallas. And it is a goalie punching a guy with a blocker. And what, what is the penalty we assess? So the rule book that I want to find that rule in is the double IHF rule book. Um, and it's simply just the goaltender punches a guy in the blocker. What penalty do we assess? And look in the double IHF rule book. I promise you it's in there. I have it pulled up on my laptop right now. So I promise you, you can find it. Okay. I think I have an idea of what it is, but. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I thought so too. I looked it up. My thought was correct, which is awesome. Um, the first person obviously to uh, send in the correct answer from the correct rule book with the rule reference and all that will get a Acme Thunder whistle. Uh, I believe it's the black one. I believe it will be engraved with the Team Stripes logo. Acme Thunder are great whistles. They're my favorite whistle. The only whistle I personally use. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any other whistle that compares. I'm now, gonna... we have a great interview on tap for today, and we haven't brought that up yet. So, Ross, can you bring up who we're interviewing this week? Yeah, sure. So uh, our interview this week is the state supervisor of Florida, Chris Mariner. Um, he has been around for a while. He refereed me while I was playing, which I believe he, uh, he's got a nice story about me that, uh, that he told to, to Brendan. Um, and then, yeah, he's been our state supervisor for a while now. We go into what it's like to be a state supervisor, what he does, and then he also has another role where he's an off-ice official with the Tampa Bay Lightning in the National Hockey League. So we kind of go into what the roles of an off-ice official are during an NHL game. So with that, we'll send it on over to our interview with uh, Chris Mariner. Supervisor of Florida, uh, Mr. Chris Mariner. He's a guy that I've known for a very long time. He refereed me when I used to play. And uh, he's been a great mentor and a, um, just a, a great uh, influence on, on my career um, with officiating. So, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thank you. Good to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So, Chris, uh, I guess we'll kind of just jump right into it. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself as far as hockey goes, like when you started playing, when you transitioned to be a referee. Uh, so, sure. I guess that's where we'll start. Well... I, you know, I started skating when I was pretty little, grew up in Maine and had, uh, you know, the, the fortune of having this big concrete slab out in the front of the house that uh, they were going to put a garage on at some point. Uh, but every, every fall we'd go out and line it with uh, four by fours and Visqueen and uh, just let mother nature do her thing. And, and we'd have ice. Um, it didn't help my skating all that much because it was a really small surface. <laughs> Fair but, um, you know, so I, I started skating when I was pretty little and wanted to, wanted to learn how to play hockey. And, you know, I think I started playing when I was like eight, you know, fairly typical. Uh, but, uh, you know, played some defense, played wing. And then when I got into high school, um, we, we had a, a situation where our, uh, 
our junior varsity goalie got uh, booted out of school. Oh, and, nice. uh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, I was like, well, you know what? I've always played street hockey goalie. That sounds like that'd be a lot of fun. And so, <laughs> you know, my, my parents were like, all right, if this is something you want to do and they realized the cost involved, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think right out of the gate. And, uh, they said, all right, well, let's, you know, let's see if we can find you some used equipment. So that way we don't go all in and, and buy a bunch of new gear that, uh, you know, yep. you find out you don't like it. Um, and so we, we found my first full and complete set of goalie gear for $125. Wow. <laughs> um, the, the skates were, oh God, and this is going to make me sound even older than I really am, but the skates <laughs> actually had a leather cowling all the way around the uh the skate oh my goodness um they probably weighed about six pounds each i mean it it was like anything was an exercise with leg weights so um (laughs) that was the first thing we upgraded was the skates yeah for sure (laughs) but um you know and then that was you know I, i played through high school uh went to Keene state college up in new hampshire and uh, showed up on campus and uh, was like, hey, where's the hockey coach? And uh, found out they'd sunset the hockey program uh, because of Title IX uh, and had to back up some things, you know, with equality. I'm like, okay, well, that'll be interesting. That would have been nice to know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But then then they uh, they started a junior C team um, that same season. And so I played a couple of years of junior C, and then, uh, then we started up a college club team, and I, I played a couple of years of, uh, of a college club up there as well. Moved to Florida, uh, driving through Orlando, found a, uh, found a place called Rock on Ice. Oh, my goodness. There's or, a as we affectionately called it, Rocks in the Ice. But uh, yep. <laughs> I, guess I, can, I guess I can disparage them since I don't think they're in business anymore. So. No, it was on iDrive, too. That was the best part yeah. of it. Well, and that was, that was it. I was just exploring Orlando to see where I wanted to live. And, and I see Canada drive and I'm like, Canada drive. That sounds kind of cool. So I drove up and there, there it was. That's hilarious. <laughs> and so That's I started playing the days before RDV, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Um, Cause RDV was built in, uh, I want to say like 97 or 98. Okay. Somewhere in that range. Um, and so I started playing some pickup hockey and then we started playing in a, in a little bit of a league down there. And that's where I started to get into a fishing. Well, actually, let me back up. When I was in college, the, uh, the rink owner asked, Hey, you want to make some money? And I'm like, well, what, what do you have in mind? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, he said, no, we need referees, you know, pay $18 a game. And, you know, they were an hour a piece. And for a college kid, I said, oh, that sounds, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah. There was no certification. There was no, you know, it, it was very informal. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. And it was, you know, 18 to 20 bucks a game cash money at the end of the night. So Perfect. for a college kid looking for, uh, you know, adult beverage money, um, yep. That, uh, that went a long way. Well, I think that's one of those things we all get into refereeing for, at, at, you know, when we're first starting out, making, just to make a couple bucks. I mean, I know that's why I started. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny because it's, it is the, 
probably one of the hardest, but one of the best legal part-time jobs that you can have uh, <laughs> with regards to, with regards to pay. I mean, if you look at it, you know, 38 bucks for going to work an hour and 15 minutes. Yep. That's, you know, that's not a bad part-time gig. Better than flipping burgers. Ain't that the truth. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I started playing some adult league and I was, I was horrified by what I saw on the ice <laughs> from an officiating standpoint. And I went, all right, I can do better than that. And that's, that's what got me into it. And, uh, you know, 26 years later, uh, you know, still, still keeping at it. Still so. plugging away. And now you're the state supervisor of Florida. Yeah. Yeah. That and that and $4 will get me a cup of coffee somewhere. <laughs> well, how, um, how did it go about you becoming our state supervisor? Um, I, I like to joke around with people and tell them that I lost a bet. Uh, but, but really, I'm still not entirely sure. (laughs) Um, you know, basically it was one of those things that, um, you know, at at the time, Rich Joya was our state supervisor and he announced he was going to be stepping down, uh, to help out with more district related stuff and the, and the district camp. And they, they were looking for volunteers and I was one of, I think probably four or five volunteers that said, yeah, I'd be interested in that. Tell, tell me more about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talked with, uh, you know, with Dewey and uh, Jack and John Maselli and, and, you know, the whole upper leadership crew in the district to find out more about what was involved. And uh, I, apparently they liked, they liked my questions. They liked what I had to say and uh, they ended up picking me for the role. And, awesome. and I got to say, you know, there are some, there were some very qualified other people that were, that were in the running as well. Um, so I, I am, you know, that, that's why I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't know how I got here (laughs) Uh, just because of some of the qualifications of the other people. Gotcha. Uh, really quickly, what goes into the role of being a state supervisor? I mean, I, I, obviously every state has one, um, Taha has one for we have Steve Henderson as ours. Yep. Nobody really knows what state supervisors do. Uh, could you go into detail about that? Well, it's kind of like on the job description where it goes other duties as assigned. Uh, <laughs> you know, th- there are some key things that we do. Um, you know, we, we make sure that USA hockey seminars are being conducted, that we have enough of them going on to meet the demand of the officials who want to register. Um, and this, this year is really interesting because, you know, registration has been down so far. So the question is, all right, how many seminars are we going to need? And so what we've done here in Florida is we posted uh, nine of them right out of the gate and said, okay, once these nine are filled, we'll add more. Now, you know, our, are we going to leave anybody out there hanging? No, (laughs) but you know, we don't want uh, November 28th to come around and have, uh, you know, 500 people going, Hey, we need a seminar (laughs) because that's just not going to work out for anybody. Uh, So we're trying to encourage people to get out and register early and and get their seminar done with um, because hockey will, hockey will come back. Um, Now, whether it's, you know, before Christmas, or whether they put stuff off and they do more of a spring league kind of thing, you know, hockey will come back. 
And if you haven't re-registered and haven't done your seminar, November 30th, you're done. So, you know, that's why I'm encouraging people to, to get it done because it will come back in, in some point. Um, so the seminars is one part of it. I try to make it to as many as I can. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into the state supervisor role, but I think as much as anything, I think it's kind of a PR gig, um, you know, where you got to be out there. People got to know your face. They got to know who you are. They got to know what you expect for standards out on the ice. And, you know, regardless of, uh, of what the officials who officiate my uh, Tuesday and Sunday night leagues uh, would say about me, uh, you know, I don't expect perfection. You know, I just expect a lot of effort. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I think having that mentality and sharing that with people at the seminars, I think kind of helps them get a better understanding of where, you know, where we want to take this. You know, we've, we've done a great job here in Florida of building the officiating program. And it's, and it's not just me, you know, I've got a team of people behind me, you know, assistant state supervisors and local area coordinators. We've got 600 registered officials, or at least we did last year in the state of Florida. I can't manage myself. Yeah. And when I first, when I first started, I think we were just about four, maybe. Okay. Might've been in the high threes. Yeah. So heck here in Tampa alone, we have what 120 ish. Yeah. Somewhere in that ballpark. So it's, it's definitely crazy how much it's exploded and how many people we have. Yeah. And, and so a couple other things the state supervisor does, um, we, we get involved with, uh, end of the year, uh, tournament selections, uh, you know, making sure that we've got the right officials out on the ice for those. Uh, we also, take a, uh, we, we get to recommend people to go to districts and nationals. And, you know, if, if we have a districts or nationals here in, uh, in the state, which I don't think we will this year. Um, but you know, we've got some great facilities that, uh, you know, that really ought to put in for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that we would, uh, you know, I'd probably get to go work or help supervise a few of those things as well. Uh, also supervise the state tournaments for uh, high school and uh, the double A and, you know, try and try and just kind of keep the ball rolling nice and smooth. And the last couple of years, you know, we've, we've gotten some really nice compliments about the officiating. Um, and, and that, that, you know, not to sound too corny, but that makes my heart full. Yeah, because you know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, and there's a lot of hard work that people put down on the ice, and it's nice to see a little bit of that get recognized. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely built a a solid core group of guys as far as the officiating talent goes in the state. You know, I'd I'd be willing to put up most of our, you know, actually that whole group against anybody um, as far as skill and uh, you know rule knowledge and all that kind of stuff goes. That's for sure. And, yeah. you know, you've been a big part of that because I know, you know, it, it's nice that everybody does have, you know, your face out there. Like, you know, most people, most of the officials know who you are. And it, it's nice that you're as involved as you are because um, 
it, it certainly ha helps having, you know, the leadership between you and, and the rest of the state staff um, involved. Yeah. Well, and that's, like I said, I, I can't, I can't do it all, all by myself. So, you know, I've, I've been really lucky. I've had some really good state and local people to help me out um, because, you know, there'll be stuff that come in. And one of the other things that I do is I also am the liaison between the officiating world and uh, the affiliate, mm -hmm. you know, so when the affiliate gets a complaint, when USA hockey gets a complaint, you know, those come to me gotcha. and, you know, a lot of times it's, it's complaints based on judgment. And it's like, I don't know, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's really hard for me to comment on. Yeah. Um, but with live barn, you know, live barn's kind of a game changer, mm -hmm. um, you know, because they don't send me a, you know, a, a full video of the entire game. They can pull a 30 second clip. Now, yeah. You know, the 30 second clip that doesn't do a lot with regards to, you know, telling you the temperature of the game, you know, how the game's been going up until that point. It just shows you what happened on the ice. Yeah. And, you know, but still it's, it's a whole lot better than nothing. It's definitely been a great tool with all the rinks that have, uh, that have instituted using it. Um, what, uh, with, I guess coming up with, you know, just, that's kind of a good segue to what my next question was going to be like, um, what's, what's been some of the biggest challenges you've had as being the state supervisor or a state supervisor, I should say. Um, that's a really good question. Um, and I, you know, I try not to look at anything as a challenge or as an obstacle, but as a, as an opportunity. Yeah. And, and I think that may be part of what's, helps me be successful is that optimism um, because I, I try not to get frustrated and it's hard. I know USA hockey's systems are not optimal uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, registering and modules and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. But you know, it's a whole lot better than it used to be, you know, having to fill out a paper application and <laughs> mailing oh, I, a check in. I, I can only imagine. I, I just so. I know, I think as long as I've been officiating, it's always mostly been online, but I'm, I'm sure obviously now it's definitely a lot easier minus yeah. the uh, hours and hours of end, endless modules that we have to do online. <laughs> so go, go to the symposium, get tenured and then well, the modules we drop down. We were supposed to go and then <laughs> obviously that, uh, that got canned till next year. That's all right. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to getting out of the house and going to Providence next year. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's going to be a good time. So, um, but I do think. Away. Hold on, I was going to say I do think uh, for anybody that's listening, if you have an interest in going to the Advanced Officiating Symposium, um, with the the situation on level fours being a no skating test, I have a feeling a lot of people are going to try and get locked in at level four. Uh, mm -hmm. So when the symposium opens registration, register quickly. That would be yes. my word of advice. <laughs> that's that's why I didn't pull my money out of it for next yep. year. I, me, I, just, me either. I, I was just like, yeah, you guys can keep my money. So that way I'm guaranteed a spot. Yep. That's, that's what I did too. So what were you going to say, Brendan? Yeah. Going away from refing, I want to hear about playing uh, junior C also known as uh, jungle C. <laughs> what was that like? Um, well, as as a goalie, it wasn't too bad. Um, 
you know, we, we had a couple of occasions, you know, where we, you know, we just had a hard time getting players. And, you know, I remember going into Vermont one day and we had uh, six skaters and two goalies. <laughs> so did one of the goalies and, skate out? Um, I kept asking and they were like, no, no, no. And, and we ended up swapping goalies halfway out because play was always in our end. So, oh, geez. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was one of those things. Okay. You take the first 40 shots. I'll take the next 40. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, it was one of get those any, nights. Did you get into any goalie fights playing junior C? Um, I have, I have, even though Ron Hextall was one of my favorite goalies ever, <laughs> I have I have not uh, I have not chased anyone down into the corner and uh, beaten them unmercilessly. Oh, who? <laughs> uh, I I I try to instill a a kinder, gentler, you know, uh, goaltending style, but I do uh, you know I will uh, push people around. I do uh, do try to protect my crease a little bit. Yeah, I, I have witnessed that a few times, and usually I let you get away with it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all in how you do it. You know, I mean, I, you can't go ahead and just start whacking people in the legs and not expect a penalty. True. Um, you know, but you move them around, you know, careful stick placement. You go from side to side. You pull their feet out. Yeah, we got tied up. I don't know what happened. <laughs> well, you know, the one thing that I think I've always heard – going coming up you know since i started officiating the the two best referees are goalies and goons and yeah. i always tell people i wasn't a goalie and, no and you, you know, were not ross <laughs> <laughs> and you you know all too well that i was a little bit of a goon well let, let me let me tell if i can just tell a story here real quick about this one particular game with ross <laughs> that sticks out in my mind it's uh you know i i don't remember I know it was high school, but I don't remember how long ago that was, and I won't try to age you by uh, taking a uh, date. At least 15 years ago. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it stuck with me for that long. So um, so we're working the game, and this Cromaldi kid's a little out of control. Been right on the edge the whole game. And he comes up, and he just delivers a high hit. I mean, elbow, high hit head contact you call it whatever you want to but you're like okay you're going to the box and this was well before we had the two and ten yeah i was contact. just gonna say luckily it wasn't a two and a ten back then yeah <laughs> yeah i think you'd have probably missed a lot of games if uh, if that had oh, been the case 100 <laughs> percent. so goes into the box serves his two minutes like a like a good boy steps out of the box barely has both feet on the ice player skating by forearm shiver to the chin <laughs> and, and just totally, I mean, hadn't even been on the ice for about three seconds and whistle back to the box. And, yep. uh, and then you'll never guess what happened when he came out of the box from serving that minor. <laughs> Brendan, you want to guess? <laughs> um, did he say, I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I would just say, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, he stepped out on the ice, tracked somebody else down, and gave them a high shot, too. <laughs> yep. Right back to the box I went. Yeah. And I think we might have had enough of you at that point. So, yeah. you know, 10-minute misconduct on top of things to, to yep. send you to the showers. Oh, yeah. But uh, it, it's funny. Sometimes you'll see players that are ordinarily, you know, kind of reserved. And something 
they're either having a bad day, they had a fight with mom and dad or with a girlfriend or whatever, and they just they're they're not having a good day on the ice. <laughs> yeah, and I I did get a fair amount of penalties, but uh, that was probably one of those games where I was just in a bad mood. <laughs> it it happens, and it, it happens to officials too. And that's one of the hardest things for referees is is trying to mitigate that I am having a really crappy day, and I don't want to share that with all of you. Instead of the misery loves company mentality. Um, you know, how do we isolate ourselves from that and say, okay, what happened off the ice is staying off the ice. I'm going to come out here. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to have fun. And I'm going to give these people that are on the ice the, the best product that I can. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and, and, you know, it's a game. But from the officiating standpoint, I refer to it as a product. It's a commodity that we provide. Yes, you know, we provide an officiating service. So what do you want that to look like? Do you want it to be a joke to people or do you want it to be a high quality thing that you can hang your hat on and be proud of? Yep. Like I know for me, I've always, when I get on the ice, like that's the only thing that matters in the world. Like no matter how crappy of a day that I'm having, it's when you get on the ice, it's just, you know, I'm out here. This is, this is where, where I have to give my attention to and I can't, you know, bring anything with me. Yeah. And, so, and it's hard to do. Yeah. Oh, it is. It definitely is. So I was, I was going to say, you got that fancy background behind you with the, uh, the view from the press box. I, I, um, I know this past season you, uh, you got a new job. I did. I did. I became a member of the uh, NHL off ice crew here in Tampa. And uh, you know, that's, that's another one of those things that, you know, I, not exactly sure how it happened. Um, you know, I can walk somebody through the process and it's, it's actually very interesting. It's, it's very corporate and very formal process uh, to get hired by the NHL as an off ice official, mm-hmm. um, you know, complete with uh, you know, training sessions, orientation. I'm kind of like, wow, this is, this is kind of strange. Yeah. Um, but, but I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that I still have the, uh, the first check I got, you know, it says NHL on it. That's um, awesome. <laughs> it, it's, it's pretty cool. So what do you, um, um, I know there's obviously a lot of people that, you know, everyone that listens to podcasts, usually an official, what goes into the off ice stuff, especially working, you know, working for them. Like it's one of those things that like, really, unless you're, unless you do it, you really don't know what they really do. It's, it's amazing. There is a, there is an operations manual for off ice officials. That's literally probably two inches thick. Oh my God. And it, it, I mean, it's what happens behind the scenes from an off ice officiating perspective, unless you've done it or been up to the box, you know, visiting and we don't usually allow visitors, uh, but unless you've been there and seen it firsthand, you have no idea what's involved. Uh, it is incredibly detailed. There's usually about 15 people on an off ice crew per game. Um, there's a scorer, you know, there's a timekeeper, there's two penalty box attendants. Uh, there's, um, the announcer, but he's not part of our crew. He's part of the, uh, the actual arena crew. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those are the guys that are downstairs. 
And, you know, personally, I like hanging out in the penalty box. Yeah. You know, that, that's fun. Um, and then you go upstairs and there's usually, I think in Tampa, we've got two uh, concussion uh, protocol specialists, you know, and they're watching the game, you know, kind of with, you know, a set of binoculars. And then they've got video that they can rewind to look at and go, okay, did that guy get his bell rung? Uh, did, did we need to pull him out for concussion protocol? Okay. Um, and that's, that's their only job. That's the only thing they do. Yeah. And then, then once you get into the box, uh, you've got, you know, the way our box is set up is on the, it's, it's actually two suites okay. uh, with a, with a hole in between them. And on the right hand side facing the ice, they do time on ice home and time on ice visitors. Wow. Now, isn't that going to digital, like as far as with like chips in their jerseys? I believe it is. I don't know whether we've got another season doing it manually for them to work the bugs out or, um, okay. or how they plan on doing it. But the new, the new pucks even have a, uh, an RFID chip in them. And, yeah, that's what I heard. And so they can, they can track the puck. They can see, you know, I assume at some point they'll get to the point where they're tracking the chip to see if it went in the, the area of the net. Uh, but all the rinks are mapped out 3d, uh, with, with that technology. That's it's, wild. It's, it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm kind of a tech geek. So I, I like seeing stuff like that work its way into the game, but I'm also at that age where I'm kind of a purist. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, ah, what do we need all that for? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like the, the analytics ruined hockey kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the guys doing time on ice really, and my brain is not wired well for doing time on ice. Um, but all they're doing is pretty much watching a bench. Mm -hmm. You're either doing the home bench or the away bench and you sit there and you've got a number pad and you're clicking players on and players off. Wow. For the entire game. And during during one of my training sessions, I ended up with nine guys on the ice, and I'm like, yeah, that that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So um, the other side, they also have a uh, an event analyst, I think, over on that side, and you know, he's he's helping out fill in some of the other blanks, um, helps yeah. out the guys doing time on ice to change coming, you know, keep an eye on this. Oh, they're pulling the goalie. Because that's the other thing. If they pull the goalie, you got to pull the goalie off the ice and put another player on the ice. Um, and that's one of the things that often gets missed. Um, okay. So when there's a goal, if the goalie's been pulled, but you don't have a player on the ice, the system will mark it as like a shorthanded goal. Cause oh, it, instead of – Well, you don't have a goalie, but you don't have a player, so you only had five, you needed six. Wow. Uh, so, so some of that stuff you, you can go well, – actually, all of it you can go in and manually correct. Uh, gotcha. at the end of the period or the end of the game. Um, the other side of the, of the box, which is where I, I tend to be, uh, they've got a, an official scorer. Now he is, he is writing down everything that happens in the game. Now, not just penalties, not just shots on net he, possession, who it was yeah. possessed by. Uh, he, he well, has this crazy shorthand system that he's using. Mm -hmm. that, I, I know if you go on like NHL, like if you do the game cast on NHL, like you can see the actual written out play by play of the game. So that's what yeah. he's doing. Yeah. It, it, it's 
crazy. And he's doing it live. He's doing it real time. And, you know, there's a, uh, there's a, an event analyst on that side. And what he's doing is he's basically call, he's calling out the play, but he's not calling it out like Mike Emmerich style. Yeah. Uh, you know, but he's saying, you know, um, and there's a certain order in which things have to get um, entered into the system. Okay. So I'll, I'll tell you more about the event analyst role in a second, but the other guys are doing um, shots on net. Um, there's a guy who's doing hits. Now the shots on nets are shots on net, missed shots, blocked shots, and, and goals. You, you track all of those things. You're entering into the computer system what kind of shot it was, who took the shot, where the shot was taken from. Now, you know, that's pretty easy. Okay, 86 took a shot from the high hash mark on the right side. Okay. Mm -hmm. But when it's blocked, you actually have to enter in the, it was blocked by 22 at the hash mark. Shot was taken from the top of the circle by 86. And so there's a lot of information that goes in. And seeing how many blocks there have been during these playoffs, I'm like, wow, those guys have got their hands full. That's why. Um, yeah. And so um, the other side's doing um, hits, giveaways, takeaways, and that sort of thing. And that's what that event uh, analyst does is he's helping them determine, you know, and, and keep track of, you know, hit on the boards, 22 on five. That's me. You know, home, home 22 on five, uh, five blue. Uh, you're also tracking face-offs and things like that. So when you get into the analytics part of it, you know, if you're watching an NHL broadcast and they're showing shots on net and they're showing the shot where they're all the shots on net were taken from those, okay. those are coming from upstairs. Those are coming from the box. So, you know, yeah, we like to I make sure we get know, them right. I definitely didn't realize how intense it was. That's just, it, it's mind boggling. And that was one of the things I was wondering about with the bubble. You know, I'm like, okay, how are they going to do this with these guys, you know, with three games a day in some facilities? Multiple crews, I would assume. You, you have to because it's so, it's so intense that my brain is fried when I'm leaving there. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's crazy how much goes into it behind the scenes. Well, that's a pretty, pretty awesome gig you got there and a pretty cool insight for for those of us that have never, uh, never heard what, what all that job entails. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, I started looking at it as a, you know, at some point down the road, I wanted to do this and yeah. it just, you know, it was one of those things that the opportunity opened itself this year. And, and my boss, from my real work has this, he, he has a graph that he shows on uh, opportunity and preparedness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if your opportunity is high, but your preparedness is low, your chance for success is low and, and vice versa, you know, and I looked at it and as the opportunity opened itself this year, I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I, I think this might be the time to do this. Okay. You know, eventually, you know, eventually, you know, I'm not going to be able to skate, you know, college and juniors forever, mm -hmm. you know? At, at some point, I'm going to go, all right, I'm tired of chasing these guys who are three times my age around the ice. <laughs> yeah. Makes um, sense. Shoot. You know, now I'm yeah, don't get myself. excited if you're listening, people, because uh, you still got me for another couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and, and speaking of those levels, obviously we got um, all the college teams down here switched to CHF, and then yep. USPHL. I think the ta- the team here has got their first game September eighteenth. I think I saw on the schedule. Okay. So everything's getting going here shortly, or at least uh, some of the stuff is. And I know high school's delayed a little bit, and some of the youth hockey, but hockey will yeah. come back, like you said. Yeah, I've got, uh, you know, I've got a three set today and a two, two tomorrow, um, you know, a couple of uh, U16 games and, you know, hopefully oh, try and get go. my legs, hopefully try and get my legs back under me. I've been playing goalie, uh, you know, over the summer and, you know, once they opened the rink back up, but, you know, that's, that's not quite the same stride as uh, out there trying to no, it's get up and down not. the ice. So this will be this will be a good shakedown cruise for uh, how I'm going to feel next weekend. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think with that, Brendan, do you have any last questions for Chris? No, I th- I think that sums everything up. Awesome. Well, Chris, uh, it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for your insight about you know what it's like to be a state supervisor and an off ice official with the National Hockey League. And uh, with that, everybody, thank you for listening. From our interview with Chris, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, There's a lot of stuff in there with the uh, NHL, you know, the off-ice officiating stuff that kind of blew my mind. What about you, Brendan? Yeah, I, I think the off-ice stuff for the NHL is really cool. I mean, we have a few people in Dallas that do that here. Um, but it's always just cool to, to, to listen and, I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're getting an NHL paycheck, which I think is the coolest part about it. Yeah, yeah, it's that is pretty cool. And, and just the amount of stuff that goes into it is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, between time on ice, shots on goal, scorekeeper, penalty, you know, or penalty timekeeper and, and, all, and all the rest of the concussion spotters and this and that. Like, it's, it's absolutely wild. So it's, uh, it's a pretty cool deal. Um, I guess really now let's uh, wrap it up by talking about what what are are our predictions for the Western Conference Finals? What do you think? Um, Vegas has to come out of this series against the Stars. I think it's going to be a six or seven game series, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think Vegas is the better team. The Stars have played very well. They've gotten a lot of depth scoring. I, I would say they've overachieved. Yeah, the only question is goaltending. I think we saw that last night with uh, Kadobin, who got yanked after the second period. Now, two out of the three goals, definitely not his fault. The Stars mm-hmm. played horrendously. Well, you got Kudobin and you got Ben Bishop. And Bish with the lightning was kind of like, always when we needed him, he would always get hurt. So that's why they got rid of him and sent him out to Dallas. I mean, that's how it's been this playoffs, because I think he's been in two games, and both of them he's lost. One of them he gave up, whatever, five goals in the first period. Yeah. So, I mean, he's still unfit to play. Um, Whatever that means, take that with a grain of salt, in my opinion. And I think Vegas is just the better team. They have two solid goaltenders in Fleury and Robin Leonard. Leonard's playing really good hockey right now, which is awesome to see. I'm surprised that Flurry hasn't started more. Um, hey, and- you know what? There's something going on there. 
and that, that's I think all I all I want to leave the flurry situation at. There's yeah. something going on behind the scenes. Something happened. Yeah, and the only thing I got to say with that is if flurry for some reason is not a night a, a golden night, you know, in in the next year, I think the fans are going to actually finally have something to be sad about and complain about because he's still a he's still a world class Hall of Fame goaltender. Oh, Hunter old. Yeah, he's first ballot. Yeah, for sure. Even at whatever age, I think he's late thirties now. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he was an O two or an O three draft. I know he's. He's one of the few guys in the NHL playing that's <laughs> older than I am. So, there yeah. there aren't many there aren't many older than me these days. Which is, you know, I just turned thirty four. It's like holy shit, when that happened. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Vegas, I think, definitely comes out of that series. So then uh, out east, obviously, we got my Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. I This is going five or six. Maybe, Easy. Easy. May, maybe six. Um, the Lightning are just they're, – they're, they have the depth. They have the scoring. They have the defense this year for the first time in a long time. And obviously, goaltending is not an issue. Um this team's just on a mission, and I, I I love you all, all you Islander fans out there. Um, it's just I'm I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I I unfortunately don't disagree. Um, like Brady if the Point, Islanders, Andre Pilat, yeah, like those guys are just they're all on fire. I mean, speaking of Braden Point, I have some interesting stats pulled up here from his last seven games. And I believe this was after game one of the conference finals. Um, he had four goals, 12 assists, eight of them being primary. He had 11 five-on-five points, 33 yeah. shot attempts, 22 of them on goal. And with him on the ice at five versus five, the Lightning are outscoring a team 12 to two. Well, there you go. So I, the only way the Islanders have a single shot – at making this a six, seven game series and even potentially squeaking out a win is if they somehow shut down Braden Point and yep. shut down the whole Tampa Bay Lightning offense, which if there's one team to do it, it's the Islanders. Oh, I agree. But, but after you know, watching they game have, one, yikes. They don't have the goaltending. They have Thomas Grace and Varlamov. Varlamov. Come on. Both are good goaltenders. I mean, yeah. I, I as a Flames fan, I wouldn't mind either of them on my team. Mm-hmm. But going up against Tampa, it's, I mean, they got a tough, tough hill to climb. And Tampa's just been on fire from, from honestly, from round one till now. They have just been on fire. Yes, they have. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. So I'm going to send you this. I I, I just uh, saw this. It's a uh, trade tree. Have you ever seen the trade tree breakdowns on YouTube? Yeah, they're awesome. So this guy put together it. He said it took him over six hours to do. He put together the trade tree from the Oilers Kings trade from 1989 when Gretzky got sent to the Oilers. Holy smoke! Or to the uh, to the Kings? Or to the Kings? Yeah. And he tracked it all the way through till the Lightning acquired Teddy Purcell, which was only a few years ago. Holy smokes. 
And then on the Oilers' side, it was all the way till the Lightning got a third-round pick that turned into Demetria Finisinkov. That's so insane. The Tampa Bay Lightning are connected to a trade that happened four years before they even played their first game. Whoever does that research, I mean, blows my mind because – First off, to sit there and and track all of this stuff, yep, is insane. I'm trying to see if there's any names like down the. Uh, okay, Yari Curry's in here. Um, Math. Uh, I'm just trying to see if there's any like big name. Oh, Peter Klima to the Lightning. Adam Graves to the Red Wing. Like this is it's Alexander Sullivanov to the Lightning. Like. This is it's nuts. I'm gonna I'm gonna link it to you. Yeah, I mean those those trade trees. I I've seen a few of them, and the videos are really cool on YouTube that the guy yeah, does. I mean i i lose I lose myself about halfway through them because it's trees like this that you are just like, how does that have absolutely any connection at all? But yet it still does. Yep, it just flows. It's wild. But anyway, I uh, I just I thought that was pretty cool. So, uh, one uh, last thing I want to talk about is the rise of Thatcher Demko for Vancouver in games five and six for Vancouver, or yeah, for Vancouver in the Vegas series. Or really, five, six, and seven. He played really well. Yeah, I think. Um, so we'll see. He might be their goaltender of the future. I was going to say, I think he definitely will be the goaltender of the future. I think these three games have uh, sped that process up potentially. I mean, Jacob Markstrom's still a great goaltender. Yeah. But Vancouver's going for youth. You can sell Markstrom maybe a little bit high um, currently. Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, I think he stopped. I think it was something like 97 shots and let in one goal. Insane. In, yeah, and in, in so – a big hats off to him. Um, Vancouver would not have forced even a game six without him in, in net. Um, but I, I just thought that was a, a cool little tidbit. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's pretty impressive, to be honest. Walk, stepping into the playoffs and just, you know, taking over like that. Yeah. Um, one thing, obviously, got to mention our Team Stripes Academy. If you want to learn from one of the greatest referees to ever lace him up, Mr. Don Koharski. Team Stripes Academy is uh, where it's at. So definitely uh, check that out if you're interested. And make sure to follow us on all of our social medias, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we even have a Discord. Go Team Stripes is the, I guess, the name you would Google or put into the search bar. Yep. Uh, give us a follow. I mean, interact with us. I'm I'm all over Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And then we have the Ice Hockey Referee Club. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. And then we got uh, something else coming up that I haven't told you about yet, but uh, I will talk to you after we're done with the podcast. Oh, I cannot wait. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty exciting stuff from, uh, from the weekend. So. Awesome. I think that about wraps it up for episode 67 of the Team Strikes podcast. We will be back at our scheduled Tuesday time next week. Uh, sorry that this episode is, I think it's going to be two days late. Uh, no big deal. Labor Day weekend. Yeah. You know how it goes. We were, we were all exhausted. So yep. thank you guys and have a great rest of your week.
Enjoy, fellas. Thanks for listening.